thank you for joining us for uh, the fourth episode of Cycles Podcast. Uh, this podcast is our first where we are pulling in uh, guests uh, and, and people who are not uh, currently employed by the company. And so uh, for this first podcast of, of including guests, we wanted to start with none other than uh, Naru and Clay from Aptus Engineering. Uh, Aptus is a, a company that is uh, we've been working closely with for uh, a number of years now. And uh, rather than rather than me taking the spotlight here, we'll leave it to to uh, to Clay and, and Naru to uh, um, to introduce themselves. So uh, Naru. Awesome. Thanks for the intro, Jake. Uh, yes. So I'm Naru. Clay's here as well. Uh, I'm the uh, CEO of Aptis. Clay's our CTO. Uh, Aptis is a, um, it's, it's what you call a venture studio or a think tank uh, where we develop uh, really cool creative new solutions for problems. Uh, and usually now in the software space, we, you know, we focus on AI, um, software solutions, cloud uh, computing solutions and uh, things like that. Uh, it's actually, uh, you know, we started uh, a little over three years ago. It was me and my old call, one of my old college roommates, uh, James. We started this honestly just because we didn't want to go to class. We wanted to build real cool shit and have fun. Uh, and uh, originally, we were doing a lot of stuff with hardware, but uh, over the first couple of years, we really got into artificial intelligence uh, and machine learning, and then really dove into that direction. Uh, Clay joined us. Um, what, two years ago, Clay? Yeah, it was um, October 2018 or 19, I don't remember. Two and a half years yeah. from now. Yeah, we, uh, we got him um, straight out of school, I think, and uh, really brilliant guy. Now he's our CTO. Uh, yeah, and uh, as, a, as a company that focuses on solving problems, where our team is really mostly physicists, mathematicians, kind of general problem solvers, it's not really the typical group of guys you'd put to a software development uh, solution or, or a problem like that. But uh, that's, that's kind of what gives us our unique perspective uh, into these problems and uh, makes us able to solve things that way. It, actually, going back to the whole college roommate thing, I, Jake, I, know, I, I don't know if you were going this way. The, the way I met Jake was also funny. It was actually my college roommate, uh, Jake's brother, my uh, roommate's uh, Alex. I went to his place. So my family's in India. We went to Alex's and Jake's. Uh, family's place over uh, Christmas my freshman year and Jake actually showed me some of the stuff he's working on uh, back then I think that was directly yep. through Petricker but yeah that, that uh, was you know, that was before that was like three years before three or four years before cycle was even a thing yeah it was I mean and back then I barely did anything with uh, cloud computing but I mean anything that we did uh, or web apps they were all through things like Bluehost or you know these cPanel systems and Jake showed some showed me some interesting things and that kind of uh, drove in the direction. Uh, uh, actually, uh, here's a, a, a kind of funny thing that we just thought of. Like, we know that most people at Embry Riddle, that's the university we went to, they get really horrible roommates. Like, no one, you know, they don't end up getting along with each other. For some reason, five of us that were put in the same suite, well, there were six, but one, I mean, the other guy's cool too, but we're not as close with him. But the five of us, we're still really close together, uh, still very good friends. And we believe the secret is that we're not the ones who actually took the um, took the surveys for the roommates. Like some of our dads did, and uh, the other half, the students <laughs> did themselves, and they got matched up. So it's actually our dads who got matched to the students, and that put <laughs> us in this uh, situation. 
No. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I don't want to that, deviate off that. It just that was a. No, no, that, that, that's fascinating. And so that's one of the things that has always uh, impressed me about your team is how you just mentioned, you know, physicists, uh, uh, people who are not your traditional, hey, I'm going to go out and hire a whole bunch of developer types. Um, and so um, I, I'd like to, to dive a little bit more into that. Like, what does your team look like today? Um, I know that you have, you know, obviously a lot of, uh, you know, highly educated, uh, uh, you know, uh, people on your team. Uh, if there, if you if you can dive into that at all, uh, just something I've always been curious about, but I've never actually asked. Yeah. So our team uh, now, from the way we work, we have uh, our technical team at least is we have solutions architects and solutions developers, and we call them solutions architects and developers as opposed to software because they're not necessarily focusing on software problems. They're trying to understand the business problem and solve that. And the team's really interesting. I mean. Uh, we have, like I said, physicist, mathematician, and nutritional scientist, I think. Uh, Clay's also a musician. Actually, this is interesting. Every single person on the technical side of uh, the team at Aptos, obviously we have our admin, marketing, the other bits, but on the technical side, everyone here has a musical background. They've been, and actually I think, what is it, a third of them have actually either minored or majored in music as well in school, and then the rest of us, we've been in bands or we've done some kind of thing like that. But uh, we're a young group of people who like to have fun. Most importantly, we're really motivated uh, and dedicated to what we what, what we do and the, the kind of impact we can make with this. That's actually uh, interesting that you mentioned that as well because uh... – I, I, I forget if I ever mentioned it, but I used to, uh, to play the cello. I was uh, in a you symphony did, yeah. for nine years. And then uh, one of our newest hires, uh, Nick, um, he uh, majored in trumpet. And so it, it is weird <laughs> how you, know, you have these people with these mu musical backgrounds end up being you know, just really good developers. Um, exactly. That's... But, yeah, no, it's just, it's just it's fascinating. I think, it's, I, I think that people who take the time to learn how to use an... Oh, sorry people that take the time to learn an instrument, um, learning programming is very similar, right? Because uh, it's, it's, it's the whole repetition thing. It's, 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 the, it's, the, it's the pure understanding and belief that if I try something enough times, eventually I'll be really good at it. And I think that that is the foundation of, of anyone being a good developer, right? You always start with stack overflow and copying and pasting code until you know, a few years in where you know, it's, it's, you know, now it's just like, what was the name of that function again? Uh, but but there's no more copy and pasting anymore, right? Um, so so on that note, uh, as I mentioned uh, you know, during the the intro to this uh, to this podcast, um, the the we you know cycle uh, and and Aptus have been working together for a number of years now, and uh, you built some some really technical, uh, really powerful platforms uh, on top of cycle. Uh, and uh, it'd be awesome to, to be able to, to talk about those, uh, dive in if we have an opportunity for a demo. Um, and uh, it'd just be, it'd be I, obviously, you know, we, we talk very often, so uh, uh, I, I'm very familiar with, with what we're about to dive into, but I'd love to be able to share that with our audience. Definitely. So, uh, so we started using Cycle, um, I think, very early on with the company. As soon as we started uh, going, making that transition from hardware development to software, uh, I mean, one of the first projects that we did that was very heavily in software was we built uh, a, an AI model that looks at hip x-rays and identifies you know, various medical parameters and uh, suggests whether a patient needs hip replacement surgery. And uh, the training system and the deployment system for this, this was actually how we were originally introduced to Cycle because I went back to Jake 
because we were still using Petrik or whatever. Uh, what was the solution that you had at the time just for basic cPanel hosting and VMs? Yeah, I mean, that was, that was, that was back when PetraCore was hosting purely uh, virtual machines on OpenStack. Got it. So, I mean, we went back for a solution in, in that, and Jake was like, no, you, you guys need to check this out. And we took a look at it. It was still in very early stages. There were, uh, it, there were honestly so many bugs with, like, you know, issues with it at the time, but it, it fulfilled our need. It was wonderful, and we loved it. And almost every other project that we, you know, took on uh, with cloud computing, we, you know, we use Cycle for it. But uh, that, that was only the beginning. And after that, we built... Uh, a medical uh, for we built, built an entire operation system for a medical uh, technology company. We built uh, AI models that were able to diagnose various conditions from MRIs, uh, and then we really got onto building our own platform. That's when we really transitioned into more of a venture studio from a development services company, and we built at the time uh, two really big platforms on Cycle, really ambitious platforms to sell. One of them is Stacks, I'll get into these uh, a bit, and then another one is Stratum. And both these platforms are actually, I mean, the, the reason we were able to build them so quickly and they're able to work so effectively right now is because we kind of put that on top of Cycle. And, uh, and Jake actually mentioned, uh, I mean, you were talking about this before we were recording that we have two of the four big platforms on there and I was going against you because I said, no, we actually have like five or six really big platforms that are coming up on Cycle. We just haven't told you about a lot of them yet. So No, uh, and, and, I, and I love that. And uh, no, it's, 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 it's awesome to see all these, these different companies building things, right? Like, um, as, as I was mentioning, you know, we, we have these companies right now uh, that are building some, like, I mean, for, for anyone listening, there's a lot more than four projects being built on top of Cycle in total. I, I was specifically talking about a certain segment of a very, uh, very, let's say, you know, platform as a service heavy offerings. Um, but, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so Stacks is one of them. It's, uh, it's a solution that we originally, uh, so actually through working with the, uh, with the surgery center on the whole hip uh, replacement surgery suggestion AI bot, uh, we wanted to look into the system and try to find, again, this is where our problem-solving piece comes in. We wanted to see what was going on in this center that we could help with additionally on top of that. And, and we were surprised, but it was nothing clinical, nothing medical. It was just their uh, back office operations, how they handle documents, their administration. Uh, I mean, everyone says the medical industry is really far behind. And I mean, I, I think there are a lot of industries that are really far behind. Uh, I think the only industry that's really ahead is the industry that's developing the things that are letting these other places get there. But uh, we looked at the the operations, and they were still. I mean, there's still fax machines everywhere. They were pre I mean, to be able to route documents, or if they get a bunch of medical records from a uh, from a patient, they print it all out, sort it by hand, and rescan it in. And then they get it to the right person. It's, I mean, I know you could use Adobe Acrobat has like the splitter on there, at least simple things like that. And it was funny because they even have electronic fax systems. But yeah, that, that's where the system was. So we wanted to look into that and we did a survey on a couple other industries, a couple other uh, centers that we could help. And we wanted to find a solution for that. So that's kind of how Stacks was born. Stacks is what we call a business administrative operations platform. And it's an intelligent one. It's really, it's powered by AI and machine learning where it handles a lot of things to really just make your life easier when handling document workflows and, and streamlining operations. So it can connect your electronic fax numbers. It can 
pull in your emails automatically, attachments, you can upload scanned files. So it, it takes in all of these files, it goes through them, it sorts them based on examples. So it's very customizable and it routes them to the right person. So and this thing can save weeks or months of labor time for centers that are using it right now. And uh, again, I know, uh, I know you wanted to get into a demo, so I could definitely show you a little bit about that. But through this process, Stacks evolved over the last year and a half to become something that is so much more powerful than that too, because anything that comes into Stacks, whether it's a handwritten document, insurance cards, uh, forms, uh, PDFs, Word docs, any of these things, like anything that goes into Stacks gets completely indexed into a reverse search system, which means you can look for words or information and Stacks can pull up these documents for you very quickly. And, and when it does this, I mean, it allows you to, it saves you a ton of time in finding information. I mean, there are reports from Forbes and the Gardner Group that say about 30 to 40% of the total time spent by administrative staff is just looking for documents. And Stacks allows you to find them without knowing where they are, without knowing what it's called, just by knowing potentially what it might be about, and it pulls up these documents. And yeah. then obviously there's a... Go for it, Jake. Yeah, so, uh, so I have a question. Uh, so when, when Stacks is processing information, um, does it support handwritten uh, letters and, and things like that? Can it search, uh, literally, if I, if I scribble a note down on, uh, on, on paper and you know, have a photo of it, uh, can, can I, uh, Stacks find that information as well? It can, uh, to an extent. We've tried some really horrible handwriting. It's gone through most of it. There are obviously certain ones where there are, they are literally just scribbles that even the person who wrote it can't understand it. You know, there's always that extent. But yes, it can get handwritten information, and it's actually very commonly used now uh, to get notes on documents. So a lot of the companies that are using Stacks, when they upload files and they want to remember something about it, they actually just handwrite notes on it, upload it, and they look it up based on the notes. That must be very difficult, given the fact that uh, I, I know, or I, I, at least I think, uh, that uh, there are some doctors that you're dealing with, and, and we all know the the whole, uh, uh, what, what's the right word? Um, the, just the context of the doctors have terrible <laughs> handwriting, right? <laughs> they do, yes. And it's it's fairly interesting with that, and that's actually what gets them to, to use Stacks, because usually in a demo, I just take a photo of a note that they've written or something, or uh, I know... For one of them, we were writing up something on a whiteboard, and this and uh, the guy's an old doctor. He's I think like seventy years old, so he was a doctor in the past. So his handwriting has gotten worse as he got older too. But we took a picture of that, sent it to Stacks, and you know we were able to search and find that, and he was super impressed. And that actually led to this whole big, uh, like gi giant deal that we're working on right now. But uh, yeah, and it's very interesting. So even with handwriting, uh, obviously the, the models have been trained to extract that information. But I think what's even more powerful that lets it do it is combining that with some kind of, uh, with a sort of fuzzy searching. So even if information was extracted incorrectly, if you type something, it can, it's tolerant to certain uh, mis-extractions or even typos in your search queries that allow you to find things a lot faster. No, that, that, that's super cool. And so, so you know, my, my entire experience, uh, at least professionally, has been with infrastructure and DevOps and things like that. I, I've never written a single line of code that had anything to do with machine learning or AI. And uh, so I'd, I'd love to hear, uh, you know, uh, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe, Clay, maybe you can give a, a high-level briefer on... 
Is that the right <laughs> word? Briefer? Uh, brief? Briefing? Uh, whatever it was. Uh, I, I'd love I'd love for you to, you know, again, we have a lot of developers that listen to this podcast. Um, and uh, I'm sure a number of these developers, you know, are familiar with machine learning and AI, but have maybe have never written, uh, you know, just like me, have never actually produced any code that is in the, the AI space. Um, so re regardless of, of stacks and, um, and some of the other projects you're working on, I I'd love to hear... Uh, uh, kind of like a high level, like uh, what are common technologies the developers are working with these days in the AI world? Um, the the flow of how some of that segmentation works in terms of taking like how, how do I process information, right? And I know that that's probably very specific into you know what information are you processing it requires very different uh, approaches to that. Uh, but would, but would love to be able to have uh, just a, a very high level dive into AI, uh, not yeah. not necessarily specifically related to uh, any of the projects that you're working on but i think that could help provide more context as we as we move into uh to, to a, a, a stacks demo and, and and things like that yeah um it's interesting we'll actually have to in order to have like a, a higher level conversation about this we might have to ignore a lot of what stacks does uh handles writing and words right um and analyzing how uh, sentences fit together natural language processing which is something that is definitely way on the deeper end of how ai operates there's a lot a lot more background knowledge you need to know in order to make those things operate uh, properly. Um, it, it's funny, I actually didn't get into AI until very shortly after joining um, with Naru here, you know, two and a half years ago. The, the first project he threw me on, he was like, hey, you have any experience with this? I went, no, and he said, great, now you will. And he threw me into the uh, hip recognition thing he was talking about earlier, and I had a, had a week and a half to get up to speed about how to make neural networks, right? Um, and I think from, from a very high level, both introducing people to what it is and you know, if somebody's interested in learning about it, um, there's two really large technologies right now being um, TensorFlow and PyTorch are really the big leaders in sort of development in the AI space. Um, on the deployment side, there's a whole other list of things to talk about and we'll ignore that for now. But um, there's a lot of really good intro tutorials on how to get started from uh, um, PyTorch and TensorFlow. Um, I think from a high level, when, you, when you're considering what an AI is, um, it's basically just a big optimization problem, right? You take, you take a whole lot of inputs and you train a very large you know, mathematical function is essentially what a neural network is and you teach it via optimization um, how, to how to fit some specific metrics you set out for it. In, in the field, we'll call it a loss function. You say, given all of this space, I'm gonna evaluate how well you did based on the outputs you give. Um, uh, I mean, from a super high level, that's what we're, that's what we're looking at here. Um, and I recommend anyone that's you know, interested in learning about these sorts of things uh, check out some of their, there's, you know, like two page long introductions for TensorFlow um, uh, using like the MNIST data set, which is, you know, the little handwritten digits. And it's a thing you can do in an hour. Um, and, it, and it shows you that this, you know, big black box when you think about what is AI and it feels really complicated. Um, but you can, you can get into it and make, make a model in an hour. It's, I think a lot of people are surprised at how simple it ends up being. There's obviously levels to this, but the, you know, the entry barrier, barrier is not as high as I think a lot of people think it is. So I, I so again, this is this is my lack of, of knowledge around machine learning, um, but uh, so I always hear people throw out the the term model, and I've never actually looked into it. So um, I've always wondered, like, is a model more code, or is it actually like a data representation of something else? Um, and so, can, you, can you can you explain that some? <laughs> 
Yeah. So um, technically, you do have to code to make a model, but the model as an entity itself is not necessarily code. As I was describing before, it's sort of a mathematical function, and um, there's a whole bunch of different complicated ones, but to keep it really easy, um, the simplest networks are just multiplications of very large matrices. Um, you just multiply you know, your input numbers. If it's an image, um, you you know flatten it into a really large vector, and you multiply it by a series of matrices that have weights and biases. That is the actual model itself. Um, and at the end of it, there's some number that gets sped out, um, and that's the result, the output of the model. So the model itself is this mathematical operation of matrix, or you know this series of matrix operations that are done to an input. Um, so the model itself is just that mathematical operation. Like and, in, in and its simplest, sorry, in its simplest sense, like to understand it, just think of linear regression, like uh, the equation yeah. of a line. If you have the weights for it, the the intercept and the slope, that's considered a simple model. And for machine learning, it's just something like that, but potentially with a trillion variables. Yep. Got it. Got it. And uh, so the last question I'll ask on uh, on this is. Uh, for the traditional, maybe, maybe even traditional is the wrong word there as well, uh, but for, uh, let's say, uh, a common uh, machine learning uh, or AI-focused uh, project, is it common to have one model or is it common to have many models? Uh, again, this, this is, uh, yeah. I, this is know, not knowing much about the space. <laughs> completely depends on the, uh, the, the use case, right? Uh, I mean, let's... let's I'm trying to think of a good example for, I mean, I'll use the tutorial I was talking about before. If you wanted something that just, you know, say you got receipts in or something like that and all of them have a, you know, number circled on the back of it, right? Then you would almost certainly only need one model and the only thing this model does is recognize what the number is that's written on the receipt, right? But for a system like Stacks, which I'm sure we'll see a little bit about what it does here, um, there's a whole series of models that do, you know, vastly different things and they all work together in different ways, right? Um, and it really depends, and I don't even think you, re you require, or it's not necessarily a requirement for the um, problem you're solving to be complicated, to require more than one model. Um, it just, models are very good at doing one thing, right? You train them to do something on a data set. So if you have a group of problems, even if they're all simple, that do different things, you're gonna need different models for them. In most cases, I'll caveat it with that. <laughs> Got it. So that makes sense. And so, so transitioning uh, from from this back to stacks, um, as we talk about models and things, and without without getting into into anything that is you know protected intellectual property or trade secrets or anything, uh, before we dive into a demo, can we can we talk about a high level of uh, what types of models is, is stacks looking for? Um, I'll sorry, actually not, sorry, pass, not looking for, but I'll pass this one off to Naru, and I'll let I'll let him talk about quite a few of these. Okay, so as Clay mentioned, I mean, Stacks has a lot of different models that are used for a lot, lots of different things. So I mean, to start with, there's the data ingesting. So once information is in there, Stacks uses models. Uh, actually, you could, uh, you probably have heard of this, or you could look it up. There, you know, we have uh, LSTM models that are used to extract uh, information from the the image documents. LSTM stands for long short term memory. I know it's a it's a trippy term there, but uh, it, it's it, it's it's almost like it's an AI model that replaces OCR essentially. So it extracts this text information, 
and then it goes through other potentially natural language processing models that under that get intent from the do, intent from the documents from different sentences it splits things up uh, finds key information from the documents there are various models that do that and then the sorting and the routing piece so we actually have a pretty interesting system here where we built one standard model template and stacks trains that template that model on your examples for each folder or stack that they use so that when a new document comes in it runs it on these different models very quickly and then finds out which one the best fit is and that's how it sorts it into the folders and then there's a whole sort of other set i mean stacks has this uh, marketplace of various automation functionality that a lot of them are things like extracting specific information from forms or from plain text documents um, uh, getting tables from invoices or spreadsheets from bank statements so all of these things all use their own different models and then we have this whole insights thing that have completely different kinds of uh, models that allow you to put all of this information together, aggregate significant information across your entire data set with potentially millions or billions of documents and put all that stuff together into something that you can visualize and understand. So that's why Stacks is also very complex. There's a lot of things going on. You can do a lot with it. Uh, but I mean, one of the other platforms we built on, I know we'll get into it a little bit, is Stratum. Uh, and Stratum also uses some AI models but it's, uh, it's one specific type of model, but it's trained for every single container that's deployed, for instance. So there's different ways to use these models and, uh, and, and how they actually act within your system. For our listeners on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts, uh, we're about to dive into a demo. That demo can be found on our YouTube channel at Cycle Platform. Um, otherwise, we'll continue the podcast here. Do you see this being uh, exclusively a B2B offering or do you expect that someday you might be able to, or you might move into also a, a B2C uh, uh, offering where uh, you might have uh, users using this for, um, you know, kind of first thing that comes to mind is, is just being able to, to scan uh, my personal bills and contracts and things like that um, into something like this so that it's, it's highly searchable. Because, I mean, I love when I go to a store and I can get an, an email receipt that way. Um, I mean, I had to, I had to order another uh, water filter for my fridge last week and I had to search through all these Home Depot emails to figure out what model fridge I had. And um, <laughs> it'd be, it'd be not, I mean, there's so many other documents that I, that I get in the mail uh, that um, I, I wish I could search through and it'd be awesome to be able to have something like that for uh, those personal documents uh, or do you again or do, or do you see this staying specifically within the, the b2b space and and if so um, where do you see that going within the space so uh, actually first thing is there a reason you just didn't look behind your fridge for the model number uh, the fridge is on a, a, a tile floor and I don't want to risk scraping mm. it up <laughs> got it okay uh, so th that's a really good question so stacks is right now very focused at b2b it's uh, you know it's in its early stage and that's really how we're getting it out there but we're already in the works of bringing a personal plan for the system so there is so much that stacks does that it, it can bring tremendous and has brought tremendous value to businesses and we want to be able to make sure we can continue to deliver that at, uh, at, at what makes sense for the businesses. But obviously there are pieces of it, like, like you mentioned, just being able to search through, find bills, and uh, maybe uh, understand your personal expenses a little better without actually having to go and you know, chart all this information out. And that is a use case we want to bring. 
uh, bring to the market. We're actually working on it right now where we're going to br completely change how the Stacks pricing plan works and have uh, basically like a personal Stacks plan which you can get for, we're, we're trying to figure out what makes sense, either $20 a month or $30 a month. Uh, and you have a certain a quota of number of documents that you can send it a month or number of pages that it can process, but you'll be able to use it for personal use. We're hoping to launch that in the next three to four months. And the business pricing will be switched over where it's on a per user. It's going to be more like, you know, 50, 60 bucks a month per uh, business user. And the stuff that you saw, like the knowledge graph, that's on a whole other level. That's something that it doesn't make any sense for us to bring for a personal account because that personal account is going to be really expensive and it, it won't, really, you know, we won't be able to reach uh, everyone with that. So that's going to be heavily focused on enterprise use cases right now. But everything else within Stacks, I mean, the bills, being able to find things which you're looking for, all of that will be available for personal use in the next few months. Actually, another thing regarding bills that you mentioned up, uh, that, that you mentioned is that uh, if you are sending your personal bills through, like if you connect your personal emails or you just upload receipts, Stacks can automatically go through all of this, find you know the amounts, the due dates, maybe the line items, all of that, and it. You're actually, with an update that's coming out within the next uh, month and a half, correct me if I'm wrong, Clay, I know you're managing the timeline, but uh, with that update, you'll actually be able to visualize this information in charts. You'll be able to see how much you're spending, where it's distributed, and where, if there are any anomalies, like if there are random purchases that came up that didn't make sense, and you're not connecting you know, bank accounts, you're not entering all this information into an Excel spreadsheet. Stacks is getting all of this just from your documents from receipts and bills, for instance. No, that, uh, that, that's super cool. I, I could see the, you know, the, the obvious personal uh, uh, use case for that. Um, I mean, I, and, 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 and the business use cases is, is completely obvious as well. Um, and uh, so I, I, I know that we're, we're starting to, to, get, to uh, get closer to, uh, to uh, running out of time for, for the podcast. So I definitely want to be able to, to, to dive into Stratum. Um, Naru, could you, uh, could you, uh, you know, give us a yeah, high level, I'll, I'll... uh, briefer on, uh, on, <laughs> uh, on Stratum and, and, uh, you know, what use case it's solving, um, what problems, uh, you're, you're, you're attacking, what the solution is. Um, and I'd, I'd love to, to hear, uh, some, uh, uh, like a dive into the architecture of, of how that was built as well. Sounds good, and this is where I can give an introduction and let Clay kind of explain a lot more of what, uh, how it works. So when we started working on Stacks and when we uh, were working on a couple other things in the medical space, we saw that, especially with machine learning, there are certain applications that require a ton of computing power, but for a very short amount of time. And over long, lots of periods, periods of time, this can become very predictable. So. And we love, you know, we've, we use Cycle for everything, you know, basically at this point. But one of the things that we wanted to add to it was a sort of intelligence layer that can potentially predict when you might need uh, heavy, uh, when you might need some more compu uh, compute power for heavy workloads. So obviously, let's take a look at Stacks as an example. There are lots of things in Stacks, like the database, the search index, uh, all the APIs, the, you know, the portal, most of this stuff that's, very stable, that's set up, that's networked, and mostly set up on, actually all set up on cycle. But there are other things like with the machine learning side that might need like eight cores at a time for a single application, for a single container, that it doesn't make sense to rent that. So 
those, that's what stacks, uh, sorry, Stratum solves. Stratum is a solution that allows you to predictively deploy and scale your cloud container. So Stratum is something that we actually built on top of Cycle, as you know, where it's a layer of, uh, of intelligent, intelligence and predictive modeling. So when you deploy your applications on there, it monitors exactly what you're doing with it, how uh, how it works, uh, how much it, how how much resources, how many resources it needs at any given point in time, and it uses the Cycle API essentially to be able to scale it, scale the instance up or down to be able to do that, and even take it all the way down to zero when you don't need something like that. So it's a queue-based system as well for Stratum tasks, and it also allows you to scale up, um, you know, web service containers and things like that. So it's it's something that allowed us, for instance. Uh, to drop Stax's cloud server costs from about four to five thousand dollars a month uh, down to well the comp cloud compute on heavy workloads from about four to five thousand dollars a month down to I think it's like four or five hundred dollars a month right now, uh, and I'll let Clay Impressive. go into this uh, in a lot more detail as well. Yeah, and actually we could probably be here all day if I just started talking. So Jake, if there's any anything specific you want or, or a topic you want us to focus on, uh, that that might make more sense and let, instead of me just rambling about what Stratum does for 45 minutes. Yeah, no, uh, it, it'd be neat to hear um, about. Um, uh, so I I know just from 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 uh, us working uh, together and 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 helping you guys uh, through this process that um, that you've built stacks. Uh, sorry, Stratum. Uh, in a way that you can use hybrid infrastructure, uh, it'd be it'd be awesome to to be able to, to talk about uh, you know some of your reasoning there. Uh, yeah. You know why, you know what when you decide to put a workload on bare metal versus a virtual machine, um, and it's it's been a, kind of a as a as a small yeah. side tangent here. Um, it's it's a, it's it's a really exciting uh, from the cycle side to be able to look and see you know uh, as as as, uh, as stratum has been growing. Uh, the number of instances that are started up every hour and then scaled down, and uh, it's just it's just really neat. We 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 get uh, Slack notifications when new servers are deployed uh, on our side, oh, and awesome. uh, I, I'm I'm getting to the point where I'm going to have to start uh, figuring out a way to mute uh, Stratum <laughs> notifications because there's so many servers going up and down um, that uh, <laughs> our sales chat is just on fire. Um, and yep. so, uh, but yeah, so you know, it'd, be, it'd be great to, to be able to, to hear more about um, the, the hybrid infrastructure approach um, and, and not even just hybrid infrastructure, but also the multi-provider approach as well. Um, I think that's yep. something that a lot of our, our listeners will find um, really interesting. Yep, I'll have to keep this on the high level to, to stay away from proprietary subjects. But yeah, you hit it right on the head. We use um, Equinix uh, for, we try to use Equinix for most things. Um, and the reason being, we have seen significant improvements in performance from bare metal from a uh, you know performance to cost uh, um, metric, right? We saw something like 50 to 60% increase in performance for the same cost. Um, using bare metal compared to like AWS or Vulture or any of those others very, very large cloud providers, right? Um, so we try to do as much as we possibly can on that. A lot of Stratum runs on there. Um, but uh, the downside to bare metal with any bare metal provider is there is a pretty large uh, scale-up time, right? So the, one of the reasons we're multi-provider, not just for redundancy, is to handle really large burst workloads, right? Like a lot of, a lot of people are probably watching this uh, podcast know that AWS has almost limitless 
scale for you, right? You can you can request thousands of EC2 instances in a minute, and Amazon will find the, the instances for you, right? Um, so by going cross-platform like this, Stratum has the ability to both uh, provide you know high-performance, low-cost solutions to com customers, as well as provide burst scaling for those customers that have unpredictable workloads, right? Um, so that was the the reasoning, other than the obvious redundancy of having uh, multiple providers running, right? If if AWS S goes down, it's not a big deal because um, we've got Equinix to be able to run things on or Vulture to be able to run things on, right? Um, so that was the incentive behind why we did that. Um, now, determining when we get those things is another thing. I'll have to keep this super high level, but I'm sure lots of people have heard of, you know, bin packing and those sorts of algorithms, right? Essentially, what Stratum does boils down to, you know, minus the predictive analytics portion, uh, boils down to a novel bin packing algorithm um, that we sort of uh, set out with a couple of our developers and went through the uh, logic behind what we really needed this thing to do. And this is what determines for us whether or not we need to you know, go rent servers right now, in which case we'd go look at AWS or Vulture or something that could spin up really quickly, um, or if we can wait a little bit and get the higher performance servers through some bare metal provider, such as Equinix. No, uh, it, it makes complete sense. Like I said, uh, from from someone who's been working closely with you, uh, it's been uh, really interesting to watch all the <laughs> stuff happening in the background, um, and uh, it's it's just it's, it's, it's it has been really cool. But but yeah, no, it's it's been it's been fantastic to be able to dive into this with with you guys. Uh, super excited uh, for our audience to be able to to hear about the, the projects that you've been working on. And I imagine that in some number of months, we'll be doing another podcast as a follow-up to some of the other projects that you guys are working on. Uh, and also to hear about some of the new features uh, that might have been added to, to Strata more stacks at that point. Um, and, but no, I, I really appreciate the, uh, uh, both of you taking the time to, to be on Cyclist Podcast and uh, you know, look forward to the future. Same. Awesome. 